So do you have money or does money have you? Do you use your, your wealth, your money to serve the things that God has called you to? Or do you look at money as the goal of life? See, Jesus very often talked about our relationship to wealth uh, because wealth can often take over our hearts. The pursuit of wealth can very quickly take over our hearts. And physical comforts can often bring spiritual complacency. And as we're in this series, uh, through the Gospel of Matthew, a story bigger than your own, um, Jesus invites us, instead of being limited to our own comfy kingdom and the physical things of the world, Jesus invites us into God's kingdom, a story bigger than our own. And today, Jesus is going to explain that God's kingdom is bigger than any earthly kingdom, any wealth, that it's a bigger story. And that story of God, that kingdom of God is worth investing in. So again, just as a review, if this is your first time here, we're going through the Gospel of John, and we're in the section chapters 5 through 7 today, which are often called the Sermon on the Mount. And Jesus, he's preaching on the kingdom of God. What is it? What it's like? How do you draw near to God in, um, in his kingdom? In the last couple of passages we've been reading, Jesus has spoken about God's kingdom righteousness. Now, what's that? What's righteousness? That's a churchy word. It simply means being right before God. And Jesus has emphasized these last couple of passages and throughout the Sermon on the Mount, and he's going to do it again today, how God is not just looking at our behavior, our behavior modification, that true kingdom righteousness, it's a righteousness that comes from the heart. That following God is about a, a transformed heart, not just a checklist of things to do. And because of that, Jesus, he's going to address our relationship to wealth because wealth is one of those things that often vie for supremacy in our hearts. And as we'll see, he, Jesus talks about, yeah, you can have money, but don't let money have you, that our investment should not just be in the worldly things, but in God's kingdom. So let's look in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 24. That's the first section we're going to read, but we're going to read all the way to 34. Uh, but let's just do the first chunk first. Jesus speaking here. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light is, that is in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So here Jesus gives both investment advice but also spiritual guidance. And the investment advice is simply don't invest in things that can go away in the snap of a finger. That's a bad investment. You pour your heart, your soul, your money, your time, your treasure into something, and it's gone? That's not a good investment. 
So Jesus says, don't store up for yourselves things that'll go away, things that will rot, things that moths will eat. So if you like to get decked out in nice clothing, you know, it's all about the drip. And um, well, moth, moths will eat that stuff up. If, or if you want a chariot, nice metal chariot, you know, real nice ride, well, it will rust out. But then you might think, well, what about precious metals? That's a good investment because, you know, moths can't eat it and, um, you know, it doesn't rust, gold doesn't rust. Well, it can get stolen. And not only that, even if we were able to, for 70, 80 years of our life, make sure that moss didn't eat stuff and we accumulated, protected, took good care of it, there is one thief that no one can escape. There's one thief who will always take our last penny, death. Death is the final thief that no one escapes. So Jesus is saying, saying what are you investing in? All your time, your talent, your treasures, you're pouring it in to, is it just to invest in earthly things? Because those go away in an instant. What are we accumulating? What are we investing in? Are we treasuring up anything for the heavenly kingdom? Because that's the only that's the only kingdom that lasts. That investment in things of the, of the heavenly nature of God's kingdom, that will remain. That's a, the only secure long-term investment. If we're to be citizens of God's kingdom, that's the question we have. Are we investing in, are we building up anything for the kingdom? And so today, we, as we look, we look at how today's Stewardship Sunday, and I'll explain a little bit what that means, but we often we look at, Lord, what am I investing in my time, my talents, but my treasures? Is it anything in the, that will give that eternal, um, that will bring the eternal kingdom uh, into the earth and, and it's things that I can hold on to when I die? Well, Jesus, he, yes, he's given financial advice, but really it's spiritual guidance. And the reason is that our relationship to money, to wealth, it reflects our heart. And a heart of faith is such that we trust the reality of God. So if you don't have faith that uh, in God's promises that this life is all there is, well then yeah, maybe you're gonna try to uh, and, you know, uh, fill your life with pleasures as much as possible because you eat, sleep, because then you die. But if you have a heart of faith, you trust that this is not all there is, that God has given us promises of his coming kingdom. And that one day, when we we, because we trust in Jesus Christ, we will uh, be with him in eternity. And that heart of faith changes our view of reality, that this is not all there is. There is a real kingdom of God that is here and is coming already and not yet. But also, that changes what we value. That we, we understand that temporary things, well, they're, they're not as worth my investment of my time, of my energy, of my resources as eternal things. Changes our hearts. And in verse 21, I think this is one of the, the focal passages, uh, verses of this passage. Jesus says, For your where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Very interesting. Your heart follows your treasure. You, we, we naturally invest in what we value, right? So if something is valuable, I'm going to spend more time on it. I'm going to maybe put some money into that so that it will maybe gain a return. We invest in what we value. 
But, which is why Jesus said, oh, so invest, uh, build up treasure in heaven because it's of eternal value where moth and rust don't, don't destroy it and thieves can't steal it. But what I want you to notice about this verse, and um, I'm going to credit Pastor Charlie Dates of a Chicago Baptist Church. I listened to his podcast for pointing something out very, very particularly here. It says, normally we think of what, you know, our heart is what, uh, you know, causes what we value. But here it says, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. That, that the influence can go in the other direction. Yes, we invest in what our heart values, but the influence, it can go in the other direction so that when you lay up treasure, it, wherever you invest something, your mind, your heart, your eye naturally gets drawn to that area. I was reminded of this last year, well, this whole year where uh, my kids wanted to, for my birthday last year, they said, uh, all right, Dad, I know you likes, you know, uh, you got everything you kind of want, but Isaiah was on this thing called Cash App, which is a place where you can save money, but you can also buy stocks and stuff. So anyways, he gave me $50. He's like, yeah, I know, you know, you like to uh, invest in all this stuff, and I never invest in stocks. It's too, it's too volatile. But here, hey, $50, I'm going to buy Rivian stock, which is a uh, startup electric car company. And um, so all of that to say, before I put $50 in Rivian stock, I think I got one share, I didn't pay any attention to Rivian automotive electric cars, right? Why would I? But now that I have, and it's just $50 in Rivian stock, guess what? I'm always paying attention to, oh, what's Rivian doing? What? So, because it's, it's this principle that Jesus says that, that what, when where our money goes, our heart goes. That yes, there is this idea that we're going to, you know, uh, where our heart values we're going to invest in, but it goes in the other direction. With this, so with this dynamic in mind, we see why Jesus would address wealth when speaking of, the, of, of what does it mean to live in the kingdom? Because remember, the Sermon on the Mount here, it's about how do we live in God's kingdom? What's God's kingdom righteousness about? And it's always about a heart thing, that our heart's right before God. So a good gauge of where our heart is, but also where our heart is going, is where is our treasure? What are we investing in? Because where your money goes, your heart goes. And I think this is how we also understand the next passage where, where our eyes go, it leads us as well. What we let our, what our eyes are focused on, it lets into our soul and changes what our heart. What are we keeping our eye on? So verse 22 says this. It says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eye is healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light that is in you is darkness, how great is the darkness? Now, some of you might have been, when I read that at first, uh, you might have thought, well, what, Jesus changing subjects here? He's talking about the heart, now he's talking about the eyes and all this, what's going on? No, our eyes, and especially in that, in that day, how they thought of it was that our eyes let stuff into ourselves, right? So that if we have healthy eyes, you know, the light is coming into uh, my mind and into my body. But if we have bad eyes or, you know, um, we're blind or whatever, with the eyes, we don't let any light in. But whatever we, 
keep our eye on, it fills us. It fills our heart. And it can fill our heart and fill our inside with either eternal things or temporary things. So if our eyes are constantly trained on earthly accumulation, our house, our car, our 401k, our, the newest iPhone, our favorite clothes, restaurants, vacations, then our heart is full of all these earthly treasures and there's no room for the heavenly things. So not only does Jesus ask, hey, where, does, where your money goes, your heart goes, he's also asking us, where are we looking? What are our eyes trained upon? And in a similar way that, you know, our eyes can only focus on one thing at a time so that, yeah, we have peripheral vision, but if I'm looking back there at the clock, you know, I don't really, I, I, I know there's you all here, but I can't focus on each one of you. Our eyes can only focus on one thing. So too, can we only have one true master? And that's where Jesus talks about in verse 24. He goes right from the eyeball thing to <laughs> verse 24. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. So again, here's that question. Do you have money, or does money have you? If, if you have wealth, if you have money, then you can use it to serve your purposes. And if you're a servant of God, if you're a, a, par, a child of God's kingdom, then you can use whatever you have, and this is what stewardship is, that God gives you things not only to bless you so that you will use them for his kingdom because ultimately he's your Lord, he's your master. But oftentimes things get switched up and we start to serve money. We start to use our life, our resources to get and accumulate more. And that's when God's not our master, but wealth can be our master. Because when it comes down to it, someone has to have the final say. Who is your master? The one who has final say, the number one. And is it God or wealth? And how we spend our time, our money, is a good gauge on who our master is. Like, who are we investing in the most? How am I, what am I spending my time and my talents, my treasures on? That's probably whoever I'm serving the most. It's also a good gauge of our heart, how we spend our time, our money, and all that. Who is number one? What is number one in our hearts? Now, some of you might be thinking, well, I don't have wealth, so none of that applies to me. And I know this, we have various folks with various levels of wealth here, and there's some of you who are struggling just to pay the bills. I want to give you two warnings. One is, if you live in America in 2023, even if you receive government assistance, your standard of living, when compared to the rest of the world and the rest of history, is at the top 5%, and I'm being conservative. Number two is that the second warning is Jesus is really talking about what's capturing our hearts. What's capturing our mind? What's capturing our focus? So yes, uh, having wealth and accumulating wealth can be our focus, but so can scarcity of wealth. Scarcity of wealth, scarcity of money can capture our mind. 
And that's why in this next section, Jesus addresses the worry that can capture our hearts when things are scarce. When we worry about tomorrow, we try to acquire enough to secure against any future need. And with our eyes and our focus on those needs, our hearts can get captured, not by wealth, but by worry because of lack of wealth. So Jesus gives instruction here, verse 25. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore do not, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. Therefore do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious for itself. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. So the main point here is keep our eyes on the kingdom, that we seek God and his kingdom first, and then we let the other stuff fall into place. Now, seeking food, seeking clothing, it is much more understandable than just accumulating under wealth. And it's also much more noble. And we need these things, food and clothing, to survive. And the Bible always upholds the poor and needy and says that when you are poor, when you do lack, you're, you're, um, you know, God sees you and he, he values you. And that when you have wealth, you're actually in quite a bit of spiritual trouble. So the whole counsel of Scripture is when you're, actually, when you're, when you're suffering lack of wealth, you're in a better spiritual position than when, when you have an abundance, which should speak to all of us in our own abundance because we have so much. But nonetheless, so I say all that, but nonetheless, Jesus says, but don't miss out on God's kingdom because our focus is on our physical needs and our heart can get captured by worry over lack of wealth. So yes, there's great danger in wealth, but that doesn't mean if you're poor, you're off the hook. That means no, you can also be captured by the worry over your lack of wealth. Because look at verse 25, it says, is not, Jesus says, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? So yes, even though we need food and clothing to survive, to maintain our physical life, God gave us life for a larger purpose than simply meeting our material needs. That he gave us life for an eternal purpose. And yes, we look for God for both, for our spiritual needs and our physical needs. But there is an eternal purpose that God has given us. And so that bigger purpose is bigger than our material needs. And so we look to him for both. Now, that doesn't mean when we trust that, all right, God, uh, I trust that I'm more value than a sparrow and the sparrow eats and I'm more valuable than the, the, the flowers of the field, which are here today and gone tomorrow. And so God clothes, uh, you know, clothes them. He's going to clothe me. And there is that faith in, in following God. That doesn't mean there won't ever be hardship. But our faith gives us the freedom not to worry 
on the things that we don't have because we're also focused on what we do have. And what do we have? We have the kingdom of God. We have God's eternal story, the bigger story. We have the God of the universe so that we can focus on him. And the other quick thing here Jesus says is, all right, don't, don't worry, but uh, focus on God and seek his kingdom first. Uh, but in verse 27, he also says, don't worry because it's ineffective. Verse 27 says, and which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? That's the rub is that, you know, worrying doesn't change our situation at all. So Jesus in a very practical way says, so don't, don't bother doing it. It doesn't help anything. Rather, seek God. Don't, uh, don't focus on what we don't have. Focus on what we do have. And if we have God, then we have uh, access to resources beyond measure. But it all comes back to this question, and that is, what are you investing? What, what is capturing your heart? What's capturing your mind? What's capturing my mind today? Because all we truly know is that we have today. We don't know about tomorrow. What are we going to do with it? What are we going to do with today? I mean, yes, what are we going to do with our finances? But what are we going to do with these, these few hours we have today? Where are we going to invest them? Because that will reflect who our master is, who what we think our purpose is. And it's not that we can't plan or save or work hard. The Bible says it's wise to do all those things. But again, it comes, where's our eyes? Where's our heart? Children of God's kingdom seek first the kingdom of God. So as we look at this scripture and we say, all right, how, how do we apply this? Really, it's Jesus kind of confronting us, saying, all right, where are you laying up your treasure? What are you investing in? When you look and, and take a, a very concrete look at your calendar, what you spend your time on, uh, your checkbook, what do you spend money on? It's a, a very objective view in, well, what are you investing in? And Jesus is asking us, so all of that you're, you're, you're spending your time and your your, your uh, money on, is any of it going to have an eternal impact? Or is it all on stuff that's here today and gone tomorrow? It's a very powerful question. I think, well, what's, what's, what is eternal? What, all right, you know, it's, it's very concrete. I'm a concrete person, and I know I want to invest, you know, my money on, on this thing, you know, and it's, yeah, it's a material thing, but it's a thing. So what's an eternal? What, what's, what's eternal? What can I invest in? Well, the things that last forever, the things that will come when, in an even greater degree when, than when God, um, than when, um, let me just start over. So things, <laughs> my mind is like, huh, oh, I can't catch that thought. Where did it go? Um. <laughs> Yes, what are we investing in? And we, oh, what is eternal? What's going what's gonna to continue? What's going to last when uh, God's kingdom comes? Well, God, he lasts. He lasts forever. He's eternal. Uh, people and, and God's purposes. So people have eternal souls. And so if we're wondering, well, what can I invest in that will actually last, that will, will uh, come into an even greater degree when God's kingdom come? Well, is it God? Is it his kingdom? Is it people? These are the things that last forever. These are things that moth and rust won't destroy and thieves won't break in and steal. 
is our soul and God. And, and so I want you to, to think about what do you spend your money on? What do you spend your time on? There are so many ways that if we just stopped and asked, all right, does this have an eternal impact? It would change how we spend our money and how we spend our time. And so when we think about how do I actually invest in the kingdom, there's so many ways and I can't go into them all, but it's basically that. Does this extend God's kingdom? Now, one of the most consistent ways that Christians can invest in God's kingdom is the local church. Is that, um, so if you're a member of Second Baptist Church or a member of some other church that you've banded together with fellow believers and said, all right, let's pool our time and our money together to extend God's kingdom in this place, in this area that God has put us in. And a regular act of worship is, is, um, is giving. It's giving to God, saying, God, you've given me so much that I'm going to return some back to you, which is what we do when we do our collection. Now, it's not the only way. The local church is not the only way you invest in the kingdom, but it is one of the ways. It's one of those most consistent ways, kind of like when you have a mortgage on a house because that's where you live. Every month, you put some money aside to go to that house, right? So, too, when we're thinking about how do we invest in the kingdom, a consistent way is through the local church. The consistent way to invest your time, it's at the local church. And so, when I'm, I'm talking to members right now, because if you're not a member of the church, then this church, then you should be a member of another church where you invest your time and your talents and your treasure. But there's something about having that consistency of saying, I'm going to, I'm, I'm pledging to invest in God's kingdom. And that's why this, this um, Stewardship Sunday, and that's what we call this, where we passed out these, um, these pledge cards. This is one of the ways where we say, all right, church family. And again, if you're not a church member, you can maybe zone out for a little bit because um, this we don't really want your money. We want you to draw closer to God. But what we've done as a church family is saying, all right, we, that takes resources. And so we're going to put our money together so that we can help invest in people in God's kingdom and help one another take a step towards Jesus. And so these pledge cards... Uh, what I ask you to do is, as you look at them, sort of let the church know what you plan on giving to, um, uh, to this church so that we can then plan on figuring, all right, what are we going to invest in? But again, this is a member's thing. If you're not a member, that doesn't quite apply to you. And notice, on one side is the financial piece. And that kind of is the piece where we're like, all right, we kind of like to know numbers so that we know, again, what we can invest in. And then the other side is the time of talents piece. This is you're not committing to this. You're saying, I'm interested in serving this way. And there's white boxes on the, on the, um, near the exits that you can put these in, and we'll be collecting these the next couple of weeks and no one knows about how much you say you're going to give except the financial secretary. So I don't know what anyone gives. And we talked about that last week, that a part of financial giving is doing it in secrecy so that I don't know what you give, what you can't give. But our, the local church is one of those ways where we invest together in God's kingdom. But there's so many other ways. So I'm not saying this is the only place that you can give your money to invest in God's kingdom. No. There's many places, but there's one, there is a place where you're like, I have banded together with my brothers and sisters in this way, 
And I'm, this is kind of how much I plan on giving so that the, the property and finance committee can figure out, all right, this is how much money we're coming in and this is so we can invest in this. We can grow this ministry and that ministry. And as a church, we're accountable to one another also to make sure that we are investing in ways that grow God's kingdom and not just maintain what we have. The other thing I'd like to say is if you're in need, so you're like, huh, I can't fill this out because I can't even pay my electric bill. Well, we, we're here for you. Like a part of our mission, our mission is to worship God, love people, and grow Christ followers. So there might be certain seasons in your life where you can't give. Well, that's what the church is for. That's why we will come alongside. And now it's like, all right, now it's time that we invest in you. You know, you don't have enough money for food or, or electricity. All right, well, let us know. We have a members in need fund for these kinds of things. So it's not just about, oh, what can you give us? It's as a church body, we're like, we want to invest in you too. So that when you have a hardship, we come alongside one another. That's a part of our mission. That's a part of living out the kingdom of God is loving one another, caring for one another. And so if you're in that situation where you're like, yeah, I'm, I'm at a big deficit, well, then let us know about that too. So don't just fill out the card for what you're going to give, but you can also let us know that you need you're in need as well. So that's just one way. That's what, that's what this stewardship campaign is about. It's about, all right. And, and you know, I, I do not, the old, the, early in my ministry, I did not ever want to talk about money. Because what does everyone say? The church is just after your money, right? That's all they want is they just want your money. But I've changed in my thinking because when I look at Jesus and his teaching, He's constantly talking about money because he sees that it's very, the, our heartstrings are tied in with our purse strings. And, and that we, we want to challenge people. I want to be challenged. No, like invest in the kingdom. It's important so that we can't talk about spiritual growth unless we talk about how do we deal with our finances? How do we invest our time and our talents? And so that our goal is to have everyone take a step towards Jesus every time we gather. Well, sometimes that step means, ah, uh, I've got to step in and give back to God in the form of finances. I've got to take a step and make a financial commitment to God's kingdom. And that's a spiritual thing. That's what Jesus says. And so, yeah, I, I don't like talking about it because I, do, I if, and if you're a visitor, if you're new to Christianity, no, don't, don't, like, just step learn about Jesus, step into him. We don't want your money. This is about if you're growing in Jesus, there will be a time where Jesus says, all right, is your, is, are you serving God or are you serving wealth? And one of the ways that we can judge that is by, all right, where's our money going? And I'm not asking you to do anything or I'm not challenging with anything that I don't challenge myself with. God has been very generous to Wendy and I. And so we're always, again, faced with this question too, of all right, how much do we give? How, mu how can we give more uh, to God and his purposes? And so let's pray. We're gonna, we're gonna uh, take the Lord's Supper. But I also want you to pray, and let's pray together uh, about this vital subject, and then we'll take the Lord's Supper. Lord, um, I pray that you would open our hearts to you. And Lord, we confess that 
we often say we serve you, but sometimes we even use you to serve ourselves or to serve, serve wealth. God, I confess that often um, I invest in dumb things, things that won't last. God, we, I pray that you'd show each one of us today where we're investing, that we would take stock, God. Show us. And then, Lord, fill us to overflowing with the gratitude of who you are. And we would not look at this, God, as a, as a thing we have to do, but rather, Lord, as a, as a way to, to show your matchless worth, a way to invest in something that lasts. God, we're thankful that you last forever. We're thankful that the souls of our brothers and sisters here last forever. So show us, Lord, how best to invest in those forever things. In Jesus' name, amen.